On this week's episode of Leader Chat, Jeff is speaking with the wonderful Star Saxteen. Jeff was originally drawn to Star's book, From Teacher to Leader, Finding Your Way as a First-Time Leader Without Losing Your Mind. This challenging transition, described even in the title, is more relevant today than it has ever been. Star offers her very honest and pragmatic reflections and advice in this engaging conversation. If you like what you hear from our show and don't want to miss out on future episodes, please make sure to follow or subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever major podcast platform you use. If you really like our show, let us know by leaving us a review. We'd love to know what you love about us so we can keep on doing it. Thanks, and enjoy the episode. Ladies, gentlemen, educators, leaders, welcome to Leader Chat. Today is going to be fun. And um, the reason it's fun is because this topic is extremely relevant. We've talked numerous times about this ongoing challenge that will only continue to grow, specific to teacher shortage, attrition, and so forth. And we have mentioned the huge shift in terms of leaders leaving their positions. It is true. I mean, the the, the turnover amongst leaders is um, far more than it is for teachers. It doesn't get highlighted as often, but the uh, in many of our states, we're seeing up to 40% over two years turnover between principals up through superintendents. And so what this means is currently the data is showing in this country that we have the least experienced leader force than we've ever had. And if you look at the data, we know that's going to continue. Some even say double in the next five years. So this topic is interesting to me as it relates to, so new leaders, new leaders that um, are new to positions. Um, I have been there. Many of us have been there, but we also know that creates just not opportunities, but also incredible challenges that we should pay attention to. So I just began digging. And looking into this topic, and I came across a book that was really interesting to me. So I ordered it and started to go through it. And then, like we often do with the leader chat, I reached out to the author. So let me tell you uh, about her, and then I'm going to invite her here to the screen here in a moment. So we're going to be talking to Star Stackstein. Now, Star has been an educator for more than 20 years and is currently a full-time educational consultant, instructional coach, and speaker. Star received national board certification in 2012 and was recognized as an outstanding educator that year by the Education Update. She is also a certified master journalism educator through Journalism Education Association. She was named as an ASCD Emerging Leader, the class of 2016, a champion in education in 2022, and had the opportunity to give a TED Talk called A Recovering Perfectionist Journey to Give Up Grades. Um, by the way, I recommend you look at that. We'll make sure to send that out to our Leadership Circle members. And so that was an abbreviated bio. So without further ado, let me invite Star to the screen and just say, Star, um, thanks for jumping in. It's been, we've had a good time talking in the past, and so I've been looking forward to this conversation. So am I. It's um, always exciting to talk about this topic. Uh, a lot of a lot of teachers reach out to me after I wrote um, the book you were talking about, and I don't know. I don't think there's enough folks that actually talk about the transition. I think there's this inherent shift, but um, nobody nobody really talks about what it's like to leave one space and go to the other space. 
And if they do, it's, you know, usually with a, a friend or a colleague, um, you know, describing the woes of the transition. And so that's something that we'll also chat about. And to, to be more specific, I'm holding up the book right here, but it's from Teacher to Leader, Finding Your Way as a First-Time Leader Without Losing Your Mind. So that really, really stood out to me, which is why I think I originally ordered this book, Without Losing Your Mind. I thought that was um, just really frank and honest. And so, Star, just maybe talk to us about, um, you know, y your journey. You've been in education for some time. I just did a brief bio, but what would be important for kind of our listeners and our watchers to learn about not just your, your path, but also your motivation and your why? Tell us about yourself. So um, I was a high school secondary um, English and journalism teacher for 16 years in New York City public schools. And in that time, I really had tons of opportunities to get involved in a, leaders in a leadership way um, as a teacher or leader, uh, whether it was through my journalism advocacy for my kids or whether it was just innovating instructional strategies that were happening in my space. And over the course of those years that I was in the classroom, I had the chance to um, do the, the TED Talk actually happen while I was still teaching. I wrote my first few books while I was also still in the classroom. And I had the opportunity to be in leadership roles in different national teaching organizations like JEA. I was the state director for in New York for journalism journalism educators. Um, I also worked with them on their certification committee. I served on the portfolio committee at my school. Whenever I could get involved in different leadership roles at my school that I thought would benefit my kiddos, I really tried to get involved as much as possible. I think I learned pretty early on that if I wanted change to happen, I had to be a part of the change that was going on. Um, and then from there, I became an instructional coach for a year and I led a teacher center in the school that I moved to. Um, so I started moving into sort of um, professional learning with educators and leadership coaching. Like as the person who ran the teacher center at that school, I was involved in the cabinet. So I understood the challenges the school was facing and how best to support the instructional staff in that space. Um, I then went into my leadership role from there, uh, which was not the typical route, I think. And in the book, From Teacher to Leader, I talk about um, the challenges of making that shift, specifically because it was personal stuff that got me into that spot. I had seen a job posting close to where I lived at home. I needed to be closer to home because of personal things going on with my son. And so I applied for this position without having my licensing yet in New York for it, but just really believing that I had the chops and the skills to do the job that they were looking for. And so I applied for it and was fortunate enough to get it. Um, <laughs> much, much, I wasn't expecting to get it. I wasn't even expecting a call back because in my cover letter, I very specifically said I didn't have my license. So you know. <laughs> well, I, I think it's always interesting story. I know that when we often onboard new leaders, whether they're superintendents, you know, down through principals into the leadership circle, we often ask, what's, what's your path been? And um, that first jump into leadership um, often takes a lot of people by surprise. 
I mean, I, I remember as a young teacher, I had our, the, the reason I went into becoming, say, a principal was because our principal at the time just took me under his wing and said, you should think about this. And I, I thought, well, maybe in 20 years I will. And he said, no, think about it now. And, and from there, without him intervening, I just wouldn't have thought about expanding my sphere of influence at that time. Maybe someday, some way, but I wasn't prepared necessarily for him or that. And you actually describe early in the book this kind of, you know, kind of what is it that make propel somebody, motivate somebody to go from what they're currently doing to a, uh, an identified, I'm doing using air quotes for those listening, an identified leadership position. There's, you even talk about defining moments. I underline this. I'm old school. And it says defining moments are usually less obvious. And they are the key to knowing when to blindly jump into the abyss and brace for, um, for the coming impact. And so I, which by the way, it is, it is a coming impact. So talk to us about just that, that early decision that people make to dive into leadership. So I was listening to your story, Jeff, and honestly, I think that there is a very bizarre gender imbalance with a lot of this leadership stuff. Yeah. There was nobody taking me under their wing saying, you should go into leadership. I mean, I, I certainly had leaders who believed in the work that I was doing and knew that what was going on was definitely special in my classroom. But for me, it was always about the kids. I never thought I'd go into leadership until this opportunity sort of arose and the idea of making a bigger impact, because if I could impact more teachers as a curriculum director K-12, I kind of get to have my hands in, in instruction in a whole district instead of just in my classroom. Um, I had an idea in my head about what that was going to look like. And then the job itself was just very different than what I was expecting. I would say maybe 40% of what I was hoping the job would be was what it actually was. There, there were a lot of things I didn't expect. So that impact that I was talking about was like, you walk into this new position, you're brand new as a person. You learn a lot about the district before you get there. And while all of that is happening, you're also learning that leadership, as you mentioned earlier, has a high turnover rate in this district. So I had this added challenge of really building rapport with my folks because they're used to their leaders leaving inside of a very short period of time and um, have the mentality that they could wait out a new leader instead of yeah. making changes. And so I had to really I had to really lean on my interpersonal skills to be able to show them that I wasn't like the person who came before me. And that even though this was my first leadership position, that didn't necessarily mean that it was going to be a disaster. I was still very much wearing my teacher hat. And I think that endeared me to a lot of the folks on my team because I, I saw their expertise of the district and how things went and what was going on and understood how much they could help me. And instead of trying to change everything the second I walked in the job, I really, I wanted to build relationships. I wanted to make sure that they knew my why and my commitment to making the changes, um, not just because somebody was telling me to do it, but because it was the right thing to do. You know, listening to this, I, I'm going to take us off topic. Um, I wasn't even planning to ask about this, but um, I'll blame you because you brought it up. It's, mm -hmm. it's interesting, isn't it, that 
when you step into a new leadership position, um, there, there's so much about the nuance and the strategy of engaging that we don't necessarily teach in, say, principal school or whatever program that you've been in, right? These, sure. these really important interpersonal and soft skills that we have to rely on in order to not just be accepted, but to lead in a way where people actually follow. These are things that, one, you wouldn't kind of chalk up to being an instructional leader. You wouldn't chalk up to being a manager. I actually often call it the, the forgotten third leg of the leadership stool. But there are these, it actually, sometimes 80 to 90% of the job are those soft interpersonal skills on how to maneuver and how to engage and how to embrace and, you know, show empathy to the people that you're trying to lead. You know, that's, that's not something that we often read about or talk about as it relates to educational leadership. Did you, did you, have you found the same? Absolutely. And to be honest with you, um, at the time, I was blogging for Ed Week too. So I had this like dual role. I had a public facing role where people were used to hearing from me from the classroom pretty regularly. And then as I was making this transition into leadership, a transition that I had claimed for years I was never going to do. Um, and I had the opportunity to actually track like the inner thoughts and challenges I was experiencing in that first year, which is really how that book was born. Um, you know, what do, what do you do when you walk into a new space, a new job of any kind? Sure, you read the job description, you may have gone through some interviewing process, but that doesn't always translate into what the job actually looks like. And I think that my colleagues, when I got to that district, first of all, I don't look like your typical leader. Um, I kind of rebelled against the idea of having to dress in a suit or like a dress every single day. For me to be really good at the work I'm doing, I need to be comfortable and that's not a way I'm comfortable. Uh, I was also told that I had to cover up my tattoos, which was like, to me, if you're judging me based on those things, then you're not interested and what I really have to offer if that's what you're worrying about. And so like even just trying to mute who I am as a person, which I take into every job with me, um, my innate skills as a human being, I think that the interpersonal stuff that you're talking about is definitely an emotional intelligence that I, I have fostered and nurtured over the years, whether it's, you know, being the 12th grade English teacher that students feel comfortable coming to when disaster is striking and being an ear for that person, but also a mandated reporter and building relationships with the social workers in my school to take kid, you know, to take care of the kids I was working with, or working with educators who are very much like kids. They fear change, they have a lot of different expectations based on what they hear about a person. And because I had such a big social media presence at that time, uh, all of them knew who I was before I got there based on what they could see online and had a lot of assumptions about who they thought I'd be when it came to being that leader. And so it was really important to me for them to see me as a learner and somebody who wanted to get to know them. And if I was going to be effective at the job I was doing, they needed to trust that I had their best interests in my heart and not just whatever was coming down the pipe from Central, which I ended up learning very quickly, something I didn't think was going to be an issue, 
was that I had to protect my teachers more than I ever gave my other leaders when I was a teacher credit for. Um, I was like, oh, you know, like I thought this was going to be easy. I've worked for a lot of different leaders. I could have done their job better. I don't know what was going on. And now that I was in this role, I was like, maybe I didn't give them enough credit. Um, maybe there were a lot of things I didn't know about that, you know, they just made sure didn't become an impediment to my success. And that was something I wanted to really make sure I could do for my teachers. I've often called that uh, judging up and I'm a, uh, this is what I do. Um, I tend to judge up. So I remember being a teacher and making judgments and assumptions based upon, say, my principal. When I became a principal, I made a lot of judgments and assumptions based upon how the central office administrators and the superintendent should do their work. And then when I went into that, I continued and I, we judge up all the way, right? We keep going up through, you know, our, our politicians and so forth. And yet we never really know the, the nuance of the position until sometimes we get there, right? And so I think it's, it's important for us to recognize and honestly say that at times when you get into to fill those shoes, there's these things that maybe you just didn't know until you tried them on, right? And so um, e e there's a section in in the book that you mentioned, it's called a, um, a, pre, uh, a teacher leadership as a precursor to school leadership, which I really right. liked because teachers are leaders, right? And we may call them a teacher, right? They don't always have the, uh, you know, job description as a quote leader, but they are. But then you talk about that as a precursor to leadership. It reminded me of this book um, called Leading from the Middle. I won't get into that, but I really liked it. Tell us some more about kind of that section and, you know, kind of uh, unpack it for us. Sure. I think I'm the same way we develop leadership in students when they're in our roles. I think teachers naturally take on leadership spaces, whether they're a faculty advisor to a club or they're a coach on a team or they're getting involved at the local level in national organizations or their school has committees that requires leadership, whether it's a hiring committee or different instructional policy kind of committees. My school had all of them. And I think I was at a point in my career, I'm one of these people who gets bored really easily. So in order to stay on top of what's going on, I'm always looking to innovate and get involved so that I stay interested and engaged to be the best version of myself for um, whomever I'm working with, whatever, whatever the age of the learner that I'm working with. And I, I very much see adults as learners, like I saw my student learners, um, thinking in terms of how they learn is very different. I think um, adult learners really require a lot more autonomy than we often give them. And that was the other thing too. One of the biggest fears, I know that when I spoke to a lot of teachers who always say they don't wanna go into leadership, it's like going to the dark side. Yeah, right. And I ascribe to that belief too. And um, you know, for whatever reason, it was like the dirty word. Like if you're a really exceptional teacher and you stay in your position for more than five years, um, in New York City, you have to be a teacher for at least three years before you could go into a leadership role. I always thought three years was an insufficient amount of time to be an educator before you took on a leadership role. I think more leaders would stay if they understood what it meant to be a teacher for longer um, and really understood the 
the immense power being a teacher can have. Uh, so it, it's always kind of hard to work for a person who's been a classroom teacher less than you've been. Sure. Especially if they're trying to impact what's happening in your space. And I think that that was a real strength in my new role was that I was a classroom teacher for 16 years. I stuck it out. I, I did the work and I begrudgingly moved into this role and wanted to do it differently. I wanted to lead with my teachers. I didn't want to force them to do things they did not want to do. I wanted this like organic understanding to sort of come up and be like, oh, I get it. And this is what it looks like in my space. And I wouldn't dictate that necessarily, but as long as the elements and the pieces were there, I knew I could support them in a meaningful way that would support the work they were trying to do. You know, I I found I found myself being on kind of um, different different ends of the spectrum on this. I don't I remember as a principal uh, there was a teacher at my school, and um, I thought number one she's a far better leader than I am, and she should be in this role as opposed to me. And I remember working and trying to convince her to go into leadership. And by the way, eventually she did. I I I feel proud that she did, but. She had, you know, been a teacher for 20 something years before she said, okay, I guess I'll, but I'd never wanted this. And she's, she was an incredible leader. In the meantime, I was a, you know, 27 year old principal and the youngest on my staff and had to create, how do I create a strategy for that? Knowing that many of the teachers in that school could teach me under the table. They were incredible. So how do I embrace that and harness that potential when, you know, it's a, it's a different strategy for a different scenario. But sure. in the meantime, I remember as a principal, my first day when school students were there, bell rings, they'll go to class and I'm in the hallway alone. It's quiet in the hallway. I mean, this is before the barrage of parents and problems on the first day of school. Right. But I remember feeling, oh my goodness, where I, I'm no longer in a class. I can't look at my kids and say, these are my kids. You know, I was a fourth and fifth grade teacher and it was really interesting you know, challenge you and in your in the book, you called it like inevitable regret and isolation. I love that you brought that up. Inevitable regret and isolation, because there is some of that, right? Yeah. And so, can you talk to us about kind of what what propelled you to write about that? Because I love that so honestly you brought that to the table on be prepared. Yeah, I mean, it's like a grieving process almost. Um, you build your whole identity around being this person in a classroom with kids, um, and I, I was good at it. Like I was really, really good at it, and I was. I was so happy in the classroom with my students. There was a synergy in that space. And like I said at the beginning, I had never anticipated that I would go into leadership. So I had made a choice that went against my life plan in my head. And as more time went on and the teachers, adults are not as forgiving as kids are. So when you step in it the first time when you're a leader, um, it takes a lot more to fix the damage of some of the things you do. And, and it wasn't even like an intentional misstep so much as it was a naive, ignorant misstep. And so like I found myself longing to be back where I knew I felt competent. 
Uh, I did not expect to feel as incompetent as I did that first year, regardless of getting different messages from different people. Um, I had spent so many years being so good at what I was doing in the classroom that I just took it for granted that starting from scratch again, regardless of the fact that I had been in education at that point for 17 years, like it, it was a really big shock to my system. And so that grief ended up coming because I wasn't close with my new colleagues yet in terms of my leadership team. There were one or two that were emerging as people who eventually became confidants in that scenario. But I didn't have the luxury of having support in my district on a personal level right away. Whereas when you're working in a school for a decade, you have family around you, you know the families, you know the kids, you know their siblings, you know your colleagues and which colleagues you're gonna go to for, for different things. And so it was very isolating. I was no longer living on a bell-to-bell -bell schedule, which was weird. Um, there's almost like a Pavlovian response when you hear a bell and how to plan a schedule that no longer kind of fits that role. and then there was this inevitable politicking that came with the new job as well which i i could do that i just don't want to like that's just not who i am i'm a very transparent and kind of what you see is what you get kind of person and i didn't want to have to play the game it felt like a waste of time let's talk about politicking for a second um sure. because i i think it's 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 important to Number one, um, we know, especially now, which is, by the way, very different than when you and I were in the leadership seat, as it sure. relates to how how even external politics are seeping in and impacting and what I think is kind of hijacking the, the focus of leadership, right, which is um, really hard and sad to see. But in the meantime, to your point, one can think about how do they how do they ignore and move beyond um, others? would say, listen, if I don't, if I don't embrace and do this work, um, then then who will? Because it's not as though you just, everyone can ignore it. So how, how would you advise a leader to make decisions as it relates to the energy they spend on, let's just call it politicking? Sure. Um, you have to know your non-negotiables, like upfront, like if you could be really clear on what you are trying to achieve and the impact you are trying to have, you have to be steadfast, even when it's unpopular to make the choices that you're going to need to make. Um, it was really important for me to value the people who are now on my team as we were getting to know each other. And so sometimes I had to be the voice in a very unpopular way, saying things that people didn't want to hear. And for somebody like me who I'll say it, but I certainly don't want to create additional like stress for people needlessly. Um, but at the same time, I, if I don't agree with something, I'm not going to just do it. And, and that was kind of my undoing in leadership, to be honest with you. Um, I refused to get behind a couple of things that I was expected to do. Um, I could give you a, for example, like evaluation is always kind of a touchy subject when you get into leadership. And I, you know, the union, I was already on the unions sort of, this, this, the union radar since I was a new leader and I didn't know the way the district did sure. things. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so like I was being watched, that was really uncomfortable. So I was navigating the teacher side of things that, that, you know, like, what am I allowed to do? So I had to make sure you read the teacher's contract, make sure you are really familiar with what they're allowed to do and what they're, they don't have to do and what they get paid extra to do. And, um, the more aware you are of their bylaws, the less trouble you'll get in when you potentially step on a landmine that you didn't even know was there. Uh, I stepped on a few in my first year um, because I, I probably wasn't as intimately knowledgeable with the ins and outs as I should have been. And in retrospect, of course, it's it's easy to point those things out now, but at the time it, it was like a devastation. Just like the first time I, you know, I had a less than favorable observation conversation that needed to happen. And, you know, for me, it's about instruction and I didn't think it would be so personal and taken out of context. And um, I tried to be, I tried to do all the right things. And, and I think with politics, that's the thing too. If you live in your own truth and you're making sure that you're doing things you feel okay about and are inside of your integrity, even if you step on a landmine or it doesn't go the way you, you want it to, your intention is moving in that direction. If you're following the politics of a situation and you're just yesing people because that's the way you think you're gonna get things through, now you're working against your own moral compass and you're doing things that you wouldn't normally do. And coming back from that, in my opinion, is a lot harder than a mistake that you did in good conscience. You know, like you did for the right reasons, but it was a mistake um, versus doing what other people told you to do, which in your gut was wrong. You know, I um, let me tell you about a, uh, a mistake I once made uh, related to this topic. Mm -hmm. And um, and I, I learned a lot through it. Um, and that was um, I had, you know, I, I've I've been a superintendent a few times over, and so the the politicking I'm, I I can understand pretty well. And I remember at one point in time I thought, well, you know, to your point, there are certain things I will not compromise on. And I remember that, and there weren't. And occasionally I would butt up against those. And um, I've always been very vocal as it relates to um, expressing what I think, whether sometimes that hurts feelings or not. And I, I prided myself on just being very honest about that. Um, however, I was not willing to compromise on a particular topic, and I would not, and I did not, and um, I just continued to drive forward with this issue. And um, somebody at one point pulled me aside and said, what are you doing? And I said, well, let me tell you what I'm doing. And I, I told the person. Right. And the person said, it would be really helpful if you just told us that, that at the beginning. Because it seems as though you're being extremely bullheaded. If you would have only told us there were certain things that you will compromise and won't compromise, and you let us know earlier, we probably could have saved months of time and anguish and challenge. And so I learned through this incredible mistake, and I, I wasted so much time for so many people that if only I would have told people, these are where, as a leader, I'm willing to compromise and talk about and find middle ground. And this is an area that I just won't. Well, instead, I just let my behavior show that I won't. I just never articulated it early on. And so I, I think to your point, it's very important that one does that. And it's also really important that 
you just really clearly communicate such to the people that you serve and lead. Does that make sense? It sure does. I mean, I think the challenge sometimes um, at the curricular level, at least where I was, not the superintendency, um, you hear, you know, you you could say all the right things and and mean them, but until people know your character and trust you in a meaningful way, it almost doesn't matter what you say. At least that was my experience with the teachers I worked with. Um, so I could give you the example, like for me as a person, as a new leader who is still wearing my teacher hat, I wanted to be the leader I never had who did all the things they promised they were going to do. And my word is really important to me. So I was asking them to do some innovative instructional practices that would probably make anybody uncomfortable if they didn't know how. Uh, I used to run my, my monthly department meetings. I, I would model strategies in my department meetings. So they weren't sit and get, they were very much like interactive, almost mini professional learning opportunities where after visiting classrooms and seeing what was going on, I was like, what are small strategies I could show them that could ramp things up and I could show them what it looks like. And then we could debrief the meta purpose of why the meeting was run the way that it was and how does that apply to your classroom and, and all these things. And I said to them at that time, if you're nervous about trying any of these things, I will co-teach with you. I will teach a lesson and you could watch and then we could debrief. I will, you know, if you're uncomfortable with technology and you want to try a project out, I will come to your classroom and be another pair of adult eyes while you're trying something new in a completely non-evaluative sort of way, just, just so that you have the support you need to take the risk and feel supported while you're doing those things. And um, most of them thought I was crazy because again, leadership turnover was so great, they were expecting me to be like the other leaders that they had. And I was like, all it took was one teacher to take a chance on me. And thank God for this middle school world language teacher who was like, all right, she said she would help and she's my first observation, you know, she's the first person who's gonna be observing me. I'm gonna call her in and I'm gonna ask for help. And I was so excited that she asked me for help, like, like like a puppy, like excited about it. You really want my help? You want my help? And like I, I ended up building a great relationship with this teacher, and she was well situated. Where like she spread the word. She said she'd come in and help, and she showed up when she said she was going to. There were no excuses. There was no ego. It was just how can I help? What do you want to learn? And let's plan this lesson together and I'll be there to watch you do it and give you feedback right away. And everything that I did for kids in my own classroom and what I would do for learners moving forward became the hallmark of what they saw me as. So I, I think that it you do have to have a certain amount of like this relational cash that you have with the folks around you where they see you in this role and you're building trust with those relationships so that they know what your non-negotiables are because they come up in conversation and you live them, you act them out. And if I'm saying what you're saying to me matters and I'm going to listen before I react or make judgment and always have the benefit of a doubt, I was able to take what I learned from every single teacher who then started inviting me into their rooms. And I would be like, all right, when I did observations now, I'm scripting 
completely in class. I'm going to send you the script before we talk about it. I'm going to have a whole bunch of wonderings. I'm not going to assume negative intent. I'm going to assume positive intent. Here are my wonderings based on this script that I'm sending your way. When we meet next week, be ready to talk about these things I'm wondering about. And as long as they could provide evidence that I might not have seen while I was in that space, like they saw that I was really there to help them be successful. Like I wasn't looking to get anybody. Um, I was really just looking to get them to be comfortable in their own skins enough to make to take risks and demonstrate that for kids and do it in the districts. And I, you know, I, I did end up with a group of very core loyal teachers, um, not just at the high school level, but all the way down to the elementary folks that I worked with. And um, I'm still very close with a lot of those people now. And they were sad to see me leave when I did, but you know, if I could support them in any way that I can, even still, I'm always happy to send resources, do it, do what I can to make their lives easier. Well, you know, congratulations to, 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 to you and credit to you for building this relationship bank and the teacher who asked for help. I mean, this is one, you know, dilemma that we see in such a personal field like teaching as well as leading is that um, how do you create a culture where anyone even an isolated leader can say, I need help. And um, I mean, that's when I left the superintendency and I created this, what we called leading ed, which is now the leadership circle. It is 100% based upon leaders being willing to say, I need help and other leaders saying, I think I can help you. And so that safe discourse, which I think is um, sadly um, not as prevalent as it should be in education, when it does happen, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I mean, this feeling of isolation is, is shared by, it's not always loneliness, because I remember I, I always felt like I was followed to the restroom and then someone was waiting for me when I came out. I never felt lonely. I felt isolated. And they're sometimes very, very different. So I'm, I was so glad that you brought that to the, you know, to, to kind of the fold in your book about let's let's make sure we talk about it now. Yesterday, and this is not about uh, promoting your what you're working on now. I think it's so funny that you talked about oh I had written three books here and you've written a lot right. But you're also working on something new that I didn't know about until we were chatting. So let's let's talk about that because that is a really interesting topic. I, I haven't read about it yet because this is the last book of yours I read, but. Talk to us. You're talking about how a teacher, I'll let you explain it, but has these options based upon these skill sets that they have attained or nurtured or maybe even just have that maybe they're not aware of that translates to successes in other areas. Can you kind of brief us on that a little bit? Sure. So it's it's about alternative career pathways for educators. And the reason I wrote it was because I have taken a very bizarre sort of path. Um, you know, it looked pretty traditional for the beginning half of it or more than half of it. You know, classroom teacher turned instructional coach and mentor turned, you know, district leader. Um, and then, you know, starting to fracture from there, becoming a consultant, helping to run a publishing house during COVID, being a co-director of teaching and learning for that organization. And then, now I'm a COO of an ed tech company, uh, although I, I am the school facing person for that organization. So if you were to ask me 11 years ago, 
you know, star, can you see yourself being anywhere but in the classroom? I would have said, no, I wouldn't have even known that the job I have right now is something that was a job. So in talking with a lot of other people and people um, reach out to me regularly because I've been pretty transparent with my journey. That's uh, one of the benefits of being an author and having a blog and having people kind of follow you as you go. Um, and it was just like, well, how do, how do we get folks to harness all these great skills that they're developing as educators? And in my heart, I believe that the, the world could be changed by a group of educators who want to make change. And that doesn't mean you have to be in a school to have the impact that you have. Um, you could take the skill set you've developed in the classroom, in leadership, in whatever role you're in in a school and translate it to the life and career path you want um, that could still have a really big impact. Like it doesn't have to be only in a school where you're having an impact. And, you know, based upon our conversation, too, I mean, I know that you're not, nor am I, trying to convince educators to uh, to jump ship. Yep. However, what we're what you're trying to do is, you know, explain to a teacher the the incredible skill set that they actually have that they might not recognize unless someone told them. Right. It's true. Yeah, that's exactly right. Maybe so. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, like, leaders also, like, I mean, when we get into new situations, at least it's been my experience in every new role I've been in, it's brand new. No matter how much knowledge you're bringing to that role, it's still fresh, right? Whether it's learning the, in, the new institution and the new company or the new job you're doing and what the day-to-day -day is going to look like and how much you're going to define that. But there's a lot of new learning that could be built on things that you're repurposing from the jobs that you had before. For example, managing a classroom of 34 kids with very different needs made me prepared for dealing with a team of 50 teachers with very different needs at very different places in their careers with very different skill sets. Um, I knew how to honor each one of them. And instead of making assumptions, I asked, you know, like at the very beginning, when when you do something right, how do you like to be celebrated? Are you a public person? Are you a private person? Like trying to get all that information and then using it to better grow the group and build a synergy in that space. Um, you had mentioned that leadership book earlier. My first year as COO, I read more leadership, more business leadership books than you could possibly even imagine, not to mention, um, in addition to the leadership books, the marketing books, the sales books, like things that, and then I was like, oh, I do this already. I call it something different because it's in a different field. Like, you know, my social media networking, for example, is a marketing strategy if you read the right book. Um, understanding how to know your audience and speak to a particular audience is another skill set. As a journalism teacher, that's what I taught my kids all the time. Like you need to know who you're writing for, what questions need to be answered, how to be fair and balanced. All those things kind of play into what made me the leader that I am becoming. Starry, as, as, as you know, as, as uh, members of our leadership circle know, and then some of our listeners would know, um, that the majority of things that we do with um, our leaders is to kind of circle them up, where we say circles are better than rows. Mm -hmm. we, um, this is the one content piece that we really do, which is, uh, but if you were to imagine, and we ask every, all of our 
all of our guests on the leader chat this, that we're sitting around a table, a round table, and there are leaders, principals, central office, superintendents around the table. Um, they had been handed your, your book, the one that we're talking about right now, and then also knowing your, your future book, they've heard about that. If you were to like kind of in an elevator speech kind of way, what would be your, like your, this is what I recommend you consider right now. What is your, like, you know, drop the mic kind of, I want to depart by leaving you this piece of advice. What would you say? Know the impact you want to make and have an action plan to make it. And that means knowing when to stay the course and when to jump ship. And there, there are appropriate times to do both. So, I mean, I, I think there are tons of skills in just reading a room and being certain in yourself. Um, I think as a new leader, that's the hardest thing to really trust your own gut when you're going through this stuff because you just don't have the experience to say, well, I've done A, B, and C, and you know, I can rely on the results of A, B, and C to, to know that I'm making the right choice now. And then the other thing I would say is, no, you're going to mess up and learn from it you know do the best you can to acknowledge your mess up and learn as quickly as possible and as much as possible from it and make a different mistake next time well i i want to say thank you to you not just for this time but also as one who has kind of um sh demonstrated flexibility um throughout your kind of your learning um and teaching and leading journey but also um, been went to, willing to document and write about it because that just, you know, really, really impacts the sphere of influence that you can have. Um, so I'm, I'm thrilled we got a chance to talk today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me, Jeff. All right. Thank you, Star. Mm -hmm. So, ladies and gentlemen, you, you can see why this topic is relevant. This actually, th this book from from teacher to leader, was written during a time where the the kind of turnover that we're experiencing was not the case. So, in some ways, this is more relevant now than ever. Um, so, I'm really thankful we had a chance to talk with Star. I know our paths will cross again. So, leaders, teachers, educators, um, thank you so much for your noble work. Be well.